The Everything Sequel Podcast is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and Tua T Fitness. The Everything Sequel Podcast contains explicit language. Because we learned it from you, Dad. Sequel podcast. This is still the El Mariachi Desperado Once Upon a Time in Mexico edition. Still don't know what to call it. My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, your friend and mine, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Maybe he can figure it out. Hello, Tom. A mariachi fuck is 50 pesos. <laughs> I don't think I figured anything out there. I think I, I think I complicated things. <laughs> you know the best part about that oh, line? Fuck. The best part about that line is having seen Enrique Iglesias. Oh yeah, Enrique Iglesias is in this film. Um, in live in concert, I know for a fact that that's part of his real act. What? So I went to see him open for J Lo. In L.A. Uh-huh. And um, at one point in in the in his performance, he goes out into the crowd. He grabs a woman, Courtney Cox, uh, dancing in the dark style. Right. Um, he serenades her. And then at the end of the serenade, he makes out with her. Holy moly. So I don't know if that's I, I don't know if that's still in his act. Right. And if it's not, I don't know whether... I'd like to know whether Me Too or COVID took care of it, if if it's not in there anymore. Because it's got to be one of those two things. So there you go. That's uh, there's, there's <laughs> That might be the movie's only link to reality as we know it. Heard. <laughs> That's remarkable. It, it is. I, as it was, it was uh, when, when I saw it, I was like... Yeah, that's just a that's just a basic Enrique Iglesias concert. All right then. <laughs> How alarming! It is very alarming. I got to tell you, there were some things that I was. I'm not going to say surprised because I'm not surprised at all that I didn't remember about this movie, especially the people mm. in it. Yeah, I saw this yeah, movie well. in the theater, and then immediately forgot everything except that I hated this movie. And then I went I went back to it, Tom, thinking maybe I had a bad day. Maybe it's a little better than I thought it was. And I st- my feelings are still the same. But I mm-hmm. like I had I, I did not at all remember that Ava Mendez was in it or Ruben Blades. <laughs> Which is just okay, so I want to get this out of the way because there will be Latin people listening. Reuben Blades calls himself Blades. So we will call him Blades because that is what he chooses to call himself. He should be saying, calling himself Blades, but he grew up with everyone calling him Blades, so he calls himself Blades. True. That. I've saved us a lot of fucking trouble just now. <laughs> Keep your pens off the page. 
I saw what happened to Chris Hardwick on Talking Dead following Ruben Ruben Blade's appearance on that show. <laughs> <laughs> We're not these two white guys ain't going through that. <laughs> I know it's supposed to be Blades, but I also respect his right to call himself whatever the fuck he wants. Heard. All right, Tom, we're talking about Once Upon a Time in Mexico. This is a two... Are we? All we've talked about is Latin pop music so far. I know. <laughs> this is a 2003 movie, of course, still directed by Robert Rodriguez. Well, Robert Rodriguez flick. Yeah. Mind I you. I know. Not a movie, it's a flick. Flick. Uh, the movie was cut. What's that? What? <laughs> Scored, Shot, chopped, chopped, and scored. Yeah, by Robert. I love Rodriguez. those. Um, I love those Food Network shows. <laughs> right. <laughs> chopped, chopped, and scored. Uh, we discussed Robert Rodriguez, of course, in the last episode. Plenty of movies you know: El Mariachi, From Dusk Till Dawn, The Faculty, Spy Kids, uh, Sin City, Alita, Battle Angel, Tom. Yes. I believe I told you in our last episode. That Desperado had 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. It sounds like that might not have been true. No, it was. Oh, okay. The alarming thing for me is that Uh Once Upon a Time in Mexico has 66% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa. I don't get it. I don't get it either. The only thing it makes me think of in terms of what we've talked about before is the Dark Knight Rises scenario where uh, it kind of, it, it just eludes, it's a movie that eludes everyone. Well. That everyone thinks they think it's good. Actually, because I, I was so shocked when I saw that, that I went to Rotten Tomatoes and I started looking at so like I looked at like a dozen reviews and so many of the I thought reviews... you were going to say like that. I, I like I emailed the head tomato. Yeah. <laughs> so many of the reviews had all the same problems that they should have had, but said, but I didn't mind it. I do aggressively. And mind I do. All exactly. I movie. do mind. Whereas I'm willing to give Desperado a pass for its obvious problems. I mean, there's for me, when I watch Desperado, especially that the first two set piece scenes, which is the cold open and then the bar fight. Yeah, I feel like I'm watching. I know that I'm watching an extremely talented director. And somebody who is editing his own movie within an inch of its life. <laughs> That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just, like... After a after a scene which is all dialogue. Right. Which also shows you that someone who can do both. Yeah. And, and so it just, to me, it showed so much competency. Completely. And yeah. this movie's the complete opposite. I can't <laughs> tell what's happening in this movie. It's shot and mm. edited so poorly. Agreed. And that's a problem for me. Like, I don't Agreed. understand feels... how the same man did it. Um, my, my only response to that, I completely agree with you, and I have the same dilemma, but uh, my, only, my only sense is that 
eight years having passed, he has become a different director. Yeah, that's, yeah, maybe. And that what he's doing here, he will is a, a rough version of something that he will refine better in later movies. Mm. Maybe because he 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 seems to be far more interested in big action and horror, which you know will get kind of full expression in. Uh, See, but planet planet terror right um you know he's the doing the spy kids movie he's doing the spy kid movies as as uh you know during this right during the, this period during the hot yeah i think so yeah so i think he's been affected by a lot of the movies he's made and uh at this particular moment he's unable to transplant what he's learned onto the desperado formula maybe that's, I mean, but that is a, that's, that's giving, because he, you know, he isn't, he is an auteur and he's an artist and I do want to, um, I do want to give him the benefit of the doubt when it comes to, you know, working on some, working through something and then seeing what he does afterwards and seeing whether he does it better. And I think he probably maybe does bring a lot of these ideas to fruition in later movies, mm-hmm. but that doesn't excuse this complete abstract mess of a movie yeah, it's just a mess and he mm-hmm. was I'll give I, I I give him credit for this because he he was experimenting a lot in this movie this is one of the first completely digitally shot movies <sighs> that's so weird though for well I guess not for him I guess Tarantino's more vociferous about yeah not he doing would that be in his but you would think that Robert Rodriguez would be as well wouldn't you you think he'd be yeah. kind of a snob about film. So I do find that interesting that he was willing to do that. But I also think it's to the movie's detriment at times because there was something about they they couldn't get the the, the effects they wanted. They couldn't get the practical. I can't remember if they couldn't get the guns themselves mm. or if they couldn't get, you know... The blood, right for effect shots, you know they. I, mm-hmm. I th- maybe they couldn't even get squibs. I can't remember, but but there's something that forced him to like digitally add people getting shot, and you yeah. can tell in this movie that it's digital and it doesn't look great. No, it doesn't look great. Um, I I would actually say that's the least of the movie's problems. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That yeah. That, <laughs> that, uh, that doesn't say much about the movie itself, right? <laughs> I, I mind that a lot less than I do in other movies and strangely that, are, that, too, are, that are digitally incompetent. Like, strangely, like I don't. I hope we're not in the minority because because this movie was a hit too. I mean, it had a budget of twenty nine million dollars. Its opening weekend was twenty three point four, made fifty six point three in the USA and ninety eight point seven in the world. That's money. That's that's. That's a profit. Yeah. And I just, I don't know how much of, because normally if you have a sequel and it's a complete failure, it might have that big of an opening weekend. And then the next weekend yeah. it goes down to $2 million and loses I wonder 80% if it, to 90% of its business. And it just I wonder whether falls it away. But I don't she- think that happened for this movie. I wonder whether it was sheer star power that carried it. With the you know, Depp, Banderas, 
and then the mu- their, their musical equivalents. Right, right. <laughs> In Enrique Iglesias, Ruben Blades, even Mendes. At the very least, they, they, they portrayed this movie as having a lot more Salma Hayek than it did. <laughs> I was going to say Salma Hayek. Open parentheses in flashback only. Right. Close parentheses. Um, yeah, well, Mickey uh, Rourke we... in the in the works. Make a Willem Dafoe, and then you have Willem Dafoe. Can we talk about that for a moment? What do you make of a Mexican American oh. man casting Willem Dafoe as a Mexican man? I think this was the point in the movie where I realized that what whatever whatever there was in the movie that seemed progressive was <laughs> going to undo itself. <laughs> when I saw William Def- Willem Dafoe in Brownface, yeah, um, and so it, it was a mixed feeling for me because you know I talked on the previous episode about how I didn't particularly care for the guy who played Butcho and I thought it was a very bland performance. So, you know, my, my I was you know when I saw Mickey Rourke, I was like, we might get something interesting out of him. Like it might might at least be diverting to watch him. Was it for you? No, because but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> but there's the promise there that you know he might give he might give a quirky, interesting performance. Then I saw it was Willem Dafoe, so instantly I was like, well, you know, I he's a great, I, he will automatically be a better villain character than this other guy that I didn't like. And then I was like, oh, but he's playing yeah. Mexican and he's speaking in Spanish. And I was like, okay, 2003 was still the worst of times. Right, and th- and then from then <laughs> onwards in the movie, the 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 kind of everything that I thought they were gonna do re feminism undoes itself, mm-hmm. almost like a spool of tape unraveling. I mean, it's literally like like <laughs> Willem Dafoe and Brownface is this tipping point where the 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 the, and the politics movie falls of over the, a cliff. Well, the yeah. the politics of the movie reveals itself to be you know anti-progressive while before you know with 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 everything it does about the way Eva Mendez as a um as a government agent is treated by her male counterparts seeing Selma Hayek as a uh, briefly very briefly as an action heroine I thought I thought we were going forward with how we were representing people and diversity in movies, right? But as soon, Turns some... out Ava Mendez is a criminal. Yeah, Ava Mendez is a Salma criminal Hayek's mastermind, dead. and Salma Hayek <laughs> is not in the movie. And her only function is the movie is to is to marry Antonio Banderas, get pregnant, and die. So and I have her child die as well. That was death. Spoiler! I, I was going to say that was a <laughs> that Willem Dafoe was a brown flag. <laughs> that something was wrong. <laughs> at the heart of this movie a brown flag was planted yeah i mean it's hard to take why not just get will ferrell <laughs> at that point you know <laughs> casamita padre right? me all the way at, the, at that point you know if you're gonna go that far have a guy who you know is really completely miscast <laughs> but i'm 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 morbidly fascinated that robert robert rodriguez made that choice with Danny Trejo standing in the background for all those shots. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> That's what got me. I mean, to be fair, we said this before, he's made up for whatever undercasting of Danny Trejo he's done in the past. Absolutely. But but at the time, it's like, the answer is staring you in the face, Robert. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> look at who is out of focus in that shot. <laughs> and look about how you're still looking at him. <laughs> right. You know what I also, I also read was that I found interesting that Robert Rodriguez, because Cheech Marin is back in this movie as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one but of the saving graces. He's, of graces. course, a new character. But Robert Rodriguez had to be reminded that he got shot in the first movie. He wanted him to play the Would it really matter? No. No. But, you see, that's the, like, I think he's, he's putting all his energy into feel, the... Everything about it feels careless. But, but you could completely play that off as, you know... Uh, he could have got shot in the eye and still lived. No, but you could just totally play that off as as the filmmakers forgot, and you know that's very common in exploitation movies. I think again, I think obviously Robert Rodriguez is putting all his energy into the wrong parts of the plot. If that mm-hmm. bothers him, but the fact that Johnny Depp is the main character of this movie and has no bearing on the storyline at all does not bother him. And I have that same note. I. One of my notes is, you know, let's talk about this because I at some point wrote, there is too much Johnny Depp. Yeah, that's entirely true. I wrote that exact same note. Um, I would add to that. I don't I don't dislike Johnny Depp at all. Edward is one of my favorite movies. I think no, he's yeah. excellent in that. He's putting great, you know, especially in his early career, putting some amazing performances, Nightmare on Elm Street, Cry Baby. What however, we're past the tipping point of his career as an actor. Yeah. Where it's all downhill from here. Agreed. So I I think they thought they were getting Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Johnny Depp. But what they're actually getting is a foreshadow of Johnny Depp as Mordecai. <laughs> All those disguises, that mannered performance style. Yeah. Uh, it, and that's what I mean about I think there's so much of this movie that is wrong place, wrong time. And Johnny and having Johnny Depp as the star of your movie, this is the exact wrong time. Yeah. There, there, there's, a, there's a mid-90s movie in which he could have he nailed this part in a different way mm-hmm. of course they could have you know he could have written him better too but um <laughs> right i feel like you know i feel like he's it's such a plastic performance i was gonna say artificial performance it literally is where he has artificial limbs limbs um yeah. and no eyes at one point mm-hmm. uh but yeah it simply doesn't work and thus the combination of it's not a very good performance and it has no bearing on the in quotation the plot, marks storyline story yeah. of this movie means that and and yet we spend what three quarters of the movie on him in some form mm-hmm. or another uh the only ironically the only person who almost matches that is Ruben Blades for some reason <laughs> Ruben Blades is in this movie more than Antonio Banderas I haven't looked up the statistics but he must right. be he absolutely must be, and not only that, he spends most of his time talking to himself. <laughs> you know... Like, actively saying what he's thinking when, or about to do. When I saw him verbalize exposition to himself... Yes. I thought, you know... <laughs> and it goes back to your point about, you know, you you don't feel like you're in safe directorial hands. 
that wouldn't pass like a film school teacher in a student movie. Right. They would be like their first note would be you got to find a better you way to, to do exposition. You got to <laughs> cut that shit out right yeah. now. Exposition yeah. is in dialogue or action only and you know sometimes you don't need it. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And it's and one one of the one of the big problems I think with with this movie, you know, if I if I if I'm if I'm grasping for an ethos that this movie has that I think undermines it, it's maybe that they want to turn every convention on its head. On its head, yeah, okay. And that's what they promised to do in in the last movie. You know the whole stuff about oh the bartender never gets killed and then the bartender gets killed. Sure. But um, here it's like it's upending the conventions that that we know work because they work <laughs> right it's right it's like they go it against do, the logic doing, of filmmaking what it ends up doing for your audience i i whenever i went out the two times i've watched this movie i feel like i'm walking through a jungle and i keep stepping in <laughs> rope traps and being turned upside down that's so and then true. i cut myself down and take five steps and then i fall into another one i think you could you could lightly re-edit this movie and make it an immersive experience Oh. <laughs> if you could, if you could add VR to this movie, right? Uh, so maybe it's even more ahead of its time than we thought. Than we like, knew, no, right? All right. Just, because I, I fit. There are moments where Ruben Blades is like, well, I mean, art. I mean, maybe not VR, but maybe video games have an impact here. Of like, like the kind of, I mean, it's pre Red Dead Redemption, but that kind of just, just wandering yeah. around in a place. In a place, right? Exactly. Grand Theft Auto style. That is what this movie feels like. <laughs> like you're just walking around. I never considered that, but when you said walking around a jungle and getting into traps, it's like, <laughs> it's like that is the narrative this is principle the, behind this movie. This is, is the first person shooter version of a movie, except you don't, you're not the shooter, because all we're doing is following Ruben Blades and Johnny Depp. And it's All like, right, let's yeah, okay. let's, take a, let's take our first. We've said a lot. We've said a lot. We'll, we'll come back and then we'll <laughs> well unfortunately have to dive deeper into this fucking mess of a movie. Uh, but we'll be right back, everybody. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. 
They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here discussing Once Upon a Time in Mexico, the 2003 sequel directed by Robert Rodriguez. We're trying to figure this fucking thing out. And yeah, our, our, um, our response to it is uh, definitely in keeping with the... The tone of the With movie. With the tone of the movie, right. Because <laughs> we, we're, we're not linear. I don't know how you would address this movie in a linear fashion, to be perfectly honest. One of my notes, because we talked about that cold open in Desperado, and one of my first notes here is, this is an opening with no style amidst so much attempt at style. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it feels like, speaking to that cold open, it feels like it, it's trying to recreate that magic. Yeah. By doing exactly the same scene. <laughs> right. And maybe that's where they went wrong. Maybe. Cheech Marin is not enough. Sometimes. Sometimes he is. Well, it's like... Yeah. Not on this occasion. Not on this occasion. <laughs> we're, we we have Cheech Marin and we're adding Salma Hayek to the fight. Which I, I loved. Me too. But... But it promises a movie that it doesn't deliver. Right. Exactly. Flatly doesn't deliver. Not even. It's not even arguable... That that's the movie we're going to see. There are so many, what I would call, rookie mistakes in this movie. Yeah. Well, exposition to Ex- yourself is exposition <laughs> I would to number one on my is, list. Is up there at the top of the list. But also, and I think I talked about this in one of our previous episodes, at 42 minutes, Johnny Depp has to explain the plot to the audience again. For like the second or third time. This is sounding more and more like a video game. The way that you'd like the <laughs> the way that you're describing it now. I think we're really onto something here. Now, this would be I, the right era too, right? And here's one that I just can't forgive. I think I'm right. It's an hour into the movie before we even know that they've had a child, right? Mm. You are undoubtedly right. Uh, That's unbelievable be- to me. Because that is revealed in, in flashback. Right. So, But not until I, I have an hour a lot of into que- the movie. I have a lot of questions about this, and, and you're, you're always good on behind-the-scenes stuff. Is there a reason why there's an entire movie that occurs between Desperado right. and Once Upon a Time in Mexico that is only revealed in flashback? I mean, was there some availability issue with, with Selma Hayek? Because that's definitely what it feels like. It does feel like that, and I am live fact checking. Yeah, it it, it just it, because the, it my first thought, you know, as a as a se- familiar, but I can't. I think I want to say maybe she was was she involved with Frida at the time. I might uh, you could well be because so, my first thought, you know, obviously. I'm pre-programmed now to think in terms of sequels. But my first thought was, why have her in the movie at all? Because right. like the this is the shit you do when you when the actor doesn't want to come back. Right. But she's here, so why use her that way? 
unless she's not specifically not available or she said, oh, I'll come back, but I'll sing a song and be in a flashback. And be, yeah, and die. Yeah. So but that's Charlton, what, so Charlton Heston beneath the Planet of the this, Apes this, being yeah, the I, precedent for this. All I have was Salma Hayek's scenes were rescheduled in the shoot so as to allow her to complete filming of Frida. So I don't, okay. I don't think I don't. Well, I mean, it was rescheduled, but I think it was written like this beforehand. Well, that's nonsense, right? So uh, something else that you told me also uh, alarming: the script was forty-five pages long. they lost half the script didn't they and no one was willing to take the blame and write another ending (laughs) and a Um, new middle and a new beginning something that uh something you told me in the last episode that i'm intrigued not i think it was in our introductory episode i'm intrigued to follow up on is you said the idea of this movie came from tarantino Mm -hmm. do you know any more about that like what the specific because after seeing the movie i don't know what the movie was so i don't know what idea this movie supposed to be based on i i think all he said all tarantino said was you have to do a third one and you should call it once upon a time in mexico oh for fuck's sake and that's it like he was just trading on the title so he basically he used like do once upon a time in the west for desperado he used Rodriguez to as a guinea pig for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to see if <laughs> yeah, that was a profitable right. title. Yeah, It was a hit. He makes Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> see, I thought you were going to tell me that... Because here's, here's what... Like, here's the high concept version of this movie, for me... This isn't be... the high concept version, the one we saw. Okay, okay, the slight, <laughs> okay, the, the follow up, the the sort of the the, the hmm, tell me more. <laughs> okay. Once they say, hmm, tell me more about that, about this movie, I would say, El Mariachi, um, works for the government to save the Mexican president from being assassinated. Right. I'd say that sounds like a pretty damn good movie. Because you've got the classic sequel inversion. He's outside the law. Now he's inside the mm-hmm. law. Uh, you change this. You automatically change the kind of scale of the movie. It becomes about the. You know the. It becomes a. You know like almost like a spy thriller or a um, day of the jackal style story. Well, because there is akin to that. There's the one interesting thing that I did like about this movie was <laughs> the people. Uh, supporting the president, fighting for the president, and there was a nationalistic kind of, you know. Yeah. I mean, this, I, this... I liked that. That one idea I liked, but it was just, it was flee a fleeting idea. It felt to me. Yeah. You know. There's and there's a even in even in the C the stuff with Johnny Depp as a CIA agent, although it's badly executed. There's the germs of something interesting. Of, uh. The one scene that I feel I'll like agree if, it had with been, that. if it had been written properly could have actually been quite profound is when he's talking about how he assassinates the cook yeah. in every restaurant he goes to. Well, only, the, if, only if the cone carne is too good. Right, which is, you know, a sort of a metaphor for what the CIA do around the world to prevent developing nations becoming as big as America. Right, exactly. And it just 
I suppose I only thought of it as vaguely profound because of subsequently what uh, food writers like Anthony Bourdain, the late Anthony Bourdain, um, would subsequently say that, you know, about we should be treating Mexico like it's, you know, like we treat French cuisine. We should, you know, yeah, we, right. we should because because the food and the, the, and the that culture that, that's coming out of here, they, they could be culinary giants, but, you know, obviously the rest of the world doesn't want that to happen because it upsets the balance of power. Yeah. And we don't get to exploit, you know, we don't get to get tacos for one dollar. Uh, yeah, right. It's like we should pay twenty dollars for our tacos with the amount of fucking work that goes into this beautiful thing. Right. And it reminded me. So I don't know if I'm just associating it with with all that, but I think they're you know I think they're they're onto something. But you know when it's uh, I think I I agree with you that that was an when interesting it's idea that never yeah, it's not that, well executed. That, yeah, that that kind of fell flat because it was. In the moment, you're not taking him seriously. You don't think he's actually going to do it, and then he Completely. does it, and, and so it's just for the sort of joke. Completely, there's no, there's no center to it. There's no heart to it. There's right. no sense of. This is what I mean about Mordecai. <laughs> yeah. About Mordecai, or even you know, it, these lines might have been, might as well have been delivered by that face in Transcendence. For all the <laughs> meaning that comes out of it, <laughs> right? Um, that is, but, that's but I so also fa- equate it because there's another interesting thing within Johnny Depp and his character. Whenever he is with Reuben Blades, when he keeps talking about cooperation between the FBI and the CIA, yeah. And I thought that was an interesting nugget that also just goes nowhere for for right? the movie. Uh, wow, that's. And you know, you know what else kind of distracts you from, uh, from these, like relatively within the context of the movie, interesting plot points, is Robert Rodriguez's obsession with fake appendages, <laughs> and them turning into weaponry. I mean, it's like the equivalent of Tarantino's foot fetish. Feet. I think yeah. <laughs> it figures in a lot of his movies. And the fact that, you know, Johnny Depp has a fake arm with his real arm underneath the table pointing a gun. There's also another point in this movie where someone someone turns into a bomb. Right? Someone's body is a bomb. At one When's point. That? Or an appendage is a bomb. And you know, that's why I, I don't feel even like remember we're, that. <laughs> we're bu- <laughs> we're building to um we're building to, you know, uh, Rose McGowan's leg, yeah. machine gun leg in Planet Terror, basically. Sure. Um, but I find in this movie, I find like I, I've enjoyed it in other movies where it's just like an aside. Yeah. Uh, or it's done with kind of glorious relish, like it is in Planet Terror. But here, it just feels like it's getting in the way of the storytelling. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because we saw the dick gun in Desperado. Yeah. But the first thing I don't, you know, when I see Desperado, the first thing I don't think is, oh, that's the the origin story of the Dick Gun. Of the dick you know, gun. it's like <laughs> this one. Whereas this one, I'm like, uh, the main thing I remember is Johnny Depp has a fake arm, <laughs> and there's a guy who turns into a bomb. I think, maybe, maybe, or maybe I misremember, fell asleep and 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 imagined my own movie. But that. <laughs> Would that really be out of place if that did happen? No, no, not at all. 
Uh, let me ask you this. As a villain... Johnny Depp? Well, no, because, you know... <laughs> he could be the villain. I don't know. I, I guess you're right, because Defoe <laughs> is our main villain. But for Antonio Banderas, for mm. El Mariachi, the villain is General Marquez, <laughs> who's basically not in this movie. Not in the movie at all. <laughs> I just don't understand. He's in the fl- he's he's in the the uh, the flashback movie. Yeah, he's in the mirror universe of this movie. <laughs> God damn it! This Unfortunately, movie. what we're focusing on is Mickey Rourke in a Chihuahua and Willem Dafoe playing piano. I gotta say, like <laughs> Mickey Rourke. Like you said, again, interesting idea given nothing to do. Yeah. But I did like that one moment when Ruben Blades pays for his his street food and then shows mm-hmm. him his FBI badge. And it was just a welcome relief. He's like, let's go. Ready mm-hmm. to go to jail. <laughs> yeah. It's like what would be an interesting turn in another movie just feels like another unnecessary side road here. Yeah. That we don't want to take. Again, it's like, you know, in a video game, you have that choice. Right. When someone comes up to you in the street in Red Dead Redemption, so, you go, fuck off! Right, yeah. I want to yeah, go, exactly. I want to go hang out I with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to do that here. You have to go where this fucking movie takes you, which you is always down the wrong it? road. Do you, do you think that that's part of what Robert Rodriguez is doing here? Is... Because the movie is hyperkinetic, and so is it. Is is he just trying to play on that level? Because one of my other big problems for this movie is anytime there's a huge action set piece, yeah, I can't figure out what's happening. Yeah, the angles over accelerated. It's over accelerated. The angles are, get weird where you can't tell where people are, and that's not the case in Desperado. Desperado. Apart from the sex scene in Desperado, only the sex scene works. Yeah, but that's only because there. But there was, as you as you reported, there were good reasons for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I saw it more in terms of what. So you know, there's a gradual, gradual motorcycle chase. I was gonna. I'm gonna talk about the motorcycle chase. There's a a gradual, a gradual, gradual evolution. From El Mariachi through Desperado, and I think this movie wants to be considered on a on a superhero level of an action movie, in a way that the oh, previous yeah, two okay. movies did not. So I think what they're going for, I repeat, going for in this scene is something on the James Bond Indiana Jones level of Ooh. action filmmaking. You know the way minutes. that. <laughs> well, just the, the whole the entire way that it's filmed. There's a Wilhelm scream in there. There is he a Wilhelm changed, scream in the he motorcycle. Tra- chase. changes vehicles. The scenes of bystanders kind of looking like, "Hey, what's going on?" Uh, and I haven't seen anything like this in the previous two movies, and I can only relate it to, uh, I guess, like a a bigger scale of action cinema, which borders on superhero cinema and at one point well, you get that pl- in the flashback especially with the chain dropping yes. off the side of the building absolutely and when he climbs up the wall like spider-man spider-man yeah exactly <laughs> he climbs like four walls in this movie 
And I, that makes me think whether, you know, it's a deliberate elevation of what this movie's supposed to be to that level. Right. And whether also Rodriguez is being influenced by making bigger movies like Spy Kids. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I mean, that's, that's what I attribute it to. You're absolutely right, though. I, I mean, if you're going to do that, uh, you know, <laughs> and I, I hasten to say, but one of the few things, and we'll get there one day, that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull does right is there's a good motorbike chase in it. Well, whereas this definitely. is like, if you, it's like you can't, it's like if you can't even, like even in the <clears throat> worst versions of one of these movies, there's a good motorbike chase. So if you can't do a motorbike chase, you shouldn't be making this kind of movie, is what I'm saying, and I don't think they can. I'll just say that that is also bookended by don't don't I know vines no. with chimps. I know. <laughs> oh, I thought you. I thought you were going to say that even that chase ends with Denim Elliott's head being buried in Indy's lap. That's funny. But yeah, that's I'm talking funny. about chase itself, not you know, not the all decisions right, right, made fine. around it. But anyway, we'll get there one day. We'll get what there I'm saying someday. is, yeah. But I mean, my, it's essentially my, my, so my big complaint. Too, he's out of his depth for this kind of movie he wants to make. It's so strange to me though, because he's so capable. Well, Spy Kids shows that he can do this kind of movie. Right. Right. I mean, but, um, my notes are, there is no narrative within the street fight and chase. And all his scenes in Desperado have great narrative. There's, you know, there's nothing you don't understand as it's happening. Yeah. I, I agree. They're, they're stories within themselves. They're doing and, all and the... we discussed this, they're like, they're like ballets. Yeah, and here it's like watching popcorn or football children <laughs> smash into each other, not knowing how to play the game. It breaks down all the like. I, well, I just you know what I laid out to you is not me breaking down the beats of that sequence. It's that sequence. It yeah, goes right. They change the vehicles. There's a Wilhelm scream. Someone comes out of the hallway and goes Ooh, like that. Mm -hmm. That is literally it. There's That's nothing everything. else that happens in it. So what they've done is they've sketched out what would be a, a an action sequence in a Bond film or an Indiana Jones film or a superhero movie. But they have not <laughs> not found a way to make it coherent or interesting. And again, I go back to this. Do you want to upend every convention, even when that convention works? will always work and you only do it if you do it properly <laughs> yeah right exact right <laughs> so that's the question i'm always asking and that's the question like... for me like i don't mind seeing a story done again just do it well yeah and you know the, the reference the big reference point for this movie is desperado which fits in terms of like when they do something they acknowledge that this also happened in desperado and we're doing it again but, which is consistent with El Mar you know, El it's a Desperado's remake of El yeah. Mariachi. So it's keeping it in that sequel come remake territory. But to what end? I feel like I know what, what end that goes to in Desperado. Desperado. Yeah. All right. Um, but I hear, <clears throat> I guess it's caught between two poles. Like S Desperado still has a, an indie movie feel to it. Yeah, it does. It's not the guerrilla movie, guerrilla filmmaking like, uh, like El, Mariachi. El Mariachi purported to be. But um, 
it's still got the flavor of an indie movie. Here, you're caught between an indie movie and a Spider-Man. Right. Uncomfortably. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It just, it's not sitting comfortably on that, on right. top of that fence or whatever. But And I don't know right. if that's just Rodriguez pandering or he's like, hey, Spy Kids worked. Why can't I make Why these kind of movies? Why can't I do movies? it for Desperado? That's interesting. All right. We're and in take... some ways, in some Let's... ways, I respect the choice. I just because it doesn't to, work to get bigger and bigger, and it's always something that that you know Tarantino to you know we're inevitably comparing their careers mm-hmm. uh, because you know for reasons we've said before. But Tarantino always says, oh, "I'm going to make a Bond movie. Oh, I'm going to make a Star Trek movie." It doesn't happen. He just keeps making his own movies. Yeah, right. Right. He's, he's only ever like adapt. Only ever adapted Elmore Leonard. Like that's he's never gone further right. than that out of his own. Um out of his own comfort zone, whereas Rodriguez is more likely to put himself outside his comfort zone and fail. True. So I have a little bit of respect for that. Okay. But again, I'm being generous to him because I think he's a genuine film artist. I do too. But that's why this movie baffles me. So let's take a second break and then we'll come back and see if we can figure out (laughs) how this movie got made. (laughs) right after this. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out 2AT Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. 2AT Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we're back once again, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here discussing the 66% high-rated movie, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. It's just not enough to put it on the poster, though, is it? <laughs> like, you couldn't lead with that on your on your marketing. No, what they would say is uh, officially ripe. Is that what it, do you, what over 50% is, right? Over 60. I think it used to be over 50, and now it's over 60. Mm. Yeah. So if you're over 60%, you're ripe. Okay. So, I, don't know how the, I don't know how the tomato ratings work. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, there were bylaws. <laughs> anyway. Several times in this movie, Tom, I have notes where I... I I wrote down something, and then next to it I wrote, nothing happens. Yeah. Nothing comes of this. Yeah. He sings yeah. for the president, nothing happens. 
He gets he gets caught. Yeah. Nothing happens. He just escapes. Mm. And the last yeah. time you see him, he's surrounded and looking directly at General Marquez. Mm. Like there's just people everywhere. And yeah. he's wa- he's he's walking past people as they're walking past him and just not seeing him. Mm-hmm. Going from kind of <laughs> pillar to pillar. And then he looks around a corner and there's General Marquez. And you can kind of see the blood, you know, rush to his face like the I want to murder face crawl over his his brow and then the scene cuts and we go I don't know where probably to Reuben Blades talking to himself in the middle of a fucking street and then the next time you see him he's just escaped yeah Reuben Blades really likes to play characters who talk to themselves because Daniel in Fear the Walking Dead talks to himself all the time (laughs) maybe that's on his resume on his special skills (laughs) verbal exposition to self (laughs) sorry yeah but I I jumped on your point but um, I have nothing to add you're absolutely right Uh, I was particularly intrigued intrigued's the wrong word I was particularly (laughs) I was going to say taken taken that's an even worse description of how I felt what I was baffled. <laughs> um, Curious. I noticed <laughs> that we were in a hospital for a long, long time. That's one of my notes. And I don't know why. My note and I is... don't actually don't know what kind of movie we were in when we were when in we there. Were it in felt the like hospital. a, a full on horror movie to me. Yeah. With missing faces and people dying by being by having their knees cut off and and yet still not interesting. My <laughs> my note was hospital bullshit. Who period cares? Question mark. Well, there's your t-shirt. <laughs> in fact, I would even put Johnny Depp in that t-shirt in one scene in this movie. Right. Hospital bullshit. Colon. Who cares? Semicolon. Who cares? <laughs> Large colon. Who cares? <sighs> yeah, no, you're absolutely... I mean, again, I attribute... Knowing that Planet Terror is coming, I attributed... Because right. a lot of that's... I, I attributed again to, like, this movie this is, like... This movie is prepped the, for Planet Terror. That's what it this is. This is the guinea we pig. We it. Yeah. This is, like, patient zero for things that Rodriguez wants to, wants to do in movies... Uh, but he hasn't figured out how to do it yet, and somehow in the in the doing of it wrong, he will figure it out. Right, because love Planet Terror and love the way that focuses on a hospital mm-hmm. and all the stuff in there and the zombies and the you know and the the uh, the anesthetist stuff. Right, and I think right. I miss, that's what he's heading towards here. But boy, is this just another detour? Along, yeah, I mean, will you know, William, D- all William Defoe thought of everything except how skinny his replacement's fingers were. <laughs> God damn, when you focus, when you're focusing on that, there, there's something rotten in the heart of Mexico. Yeah, and it's once upon a time in Mexico. <laughs> I think you alluded to this in the past, while we're talking about digressions that go nowhere. Go ahead. By which I mean this episode. 
Right. Um, <laughs> um, you alluded to this in the past episode, and I think you were dead on about how, how I mean, all this movie is is repeating something from the previous two movies, um, which is fine because that's what these movies do. But when they bring a kid back into it, it's yeah. so soulless and harsh that it doesn't. Yeah, it's like the op again upending a convention. It's right. the opposite of what James Cameron would do. What they did in Desperado, right? And not only does it not work, it it makes me feel sick that a kid's being used in this way. And that's the thing because, and I think we I brought it up in the last episode because that's one of the things you know. That movie wrestles with violence. Yeah. And all three of these movies do. But they're, he was smart enough in Desperado to have this scene where he's teaching the kid to play guitar. And when you see that, you think, all right, I'm on his side. He's a good guy. No matter what he does, in his heart, he's good. You can't yeah. say that about Johnny Depp in any way, shape, or form for this movie. No. He but kills he's, an innocent He's not even man a good anti-hero. Just because he made good chili con carne. Right. Right. And so when you stick that kid with Johnny Depp, it's the complete opposite. And you're you're completely right when you say, yeah, it makes you more feel sick to your stomach. Yeah. To see this kid having to lead eyeless Johnny Depp <laughs> around by his hand. 66% on Rotten Tomatoes, 66% everyone. on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I know why you led with that now. Of Johnny Depp. Maybe looking it's without when, eyes when... to a kid and saying, where is he? I got to shoot my gun. I have to murder a man in front of you. Where is he? Are you sure you're not on an actual tomato site? <laughs> because when he doesn't have eyes, they kind of look like tomatoes, That's right? That's true. So maybe they're just rating how well tomatoes are represented. In movies. I I not that this, like that like website that's just about how good the dogs are. Not you that know? this matters at all, but but I'm straining to find things of interest in this movie. I believe I read uh, the blood coming out of Johnny Depp's sockets was a combination of chocolate and strawberry syrup. Hmm. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um <laughs> one of my last notes is this movie is mind-blowingly bad. Yeah. I think it's it's interesting though because I suppose the coat hanger for this movie is remaking Des remaking El Mariachi once again. But mm -hmm. the differences are either negligible or wrong. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I mean we haven't even talked about the, the I like you know how the return and the return of the... that idea came to you. <laughs> the, or the... wrong. I can't I was just trying to think of an instance where that wasn't true and the, 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 the No, it's one. true across the board. Yeah. When you get to the three mariachi scene which we had in Desperado. Yeah, we haven't given much play to his compatriots in this sequel. Who are two very big names. Uh-huh. Enrique Iglesias. I probably don't need to tell you who that is. But for those of you not into your world cinema, you might not know Marco Leonardi, even though he is the star of two of the biggest uh, movies 
on the international world cinema circuit ever. Lightwater for Chocolate and Cinema Paradiso. Right. Long time before this movie, but you get the point. Yeah. Uh, And Antonio Banderas. So, three huge stars in their fields. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, it's... I don't really know how to describe it. I mean, Rico and Glacius looks bored yeah, to be there. Completely. I've never seen anyone look as uninterested in a flamethrower in my life. Right. Right. He's he, he's no Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> this really was a fuck, there's a flamethrower in that as well. This really was, this was Tarantino. The test case. Yeah. He was you he used Rodriguez to make his movie for him, didn't he? And then you you know so you have that, but on top of it, like you said, because we have Marco Leonardi and he, His thing is he's dr- he's a drunk, right? He's, as far as I can tell, that's his thing. He's a drunk, but he's also I mean, because you have the flamethrower guitar case, but you also have the remote control, like a guitar case <laughs> that's a bomb, but also is a remote controlled car. Right. And so the one upsmanship of just the guitar cases yeah. in this movie, I- I'll go along with the flamethrower guitar case. That That's a good bit if you want to go up from the It would from be the last if Enrico movie. Iglesias was if engaged. He wasn't, yes, if he wasn't, you know... Looking like all I was... could see was like, and you know, he'd much rather be making out with a girl at a concert, yeah. the, you know, like the fucking spindle center. <laughs> but poor Marco, he he's trying to, because it, it like there was there was some shot where he's trying to like get the I think the guitar case on the ground or something, and then get yeah. a, a remote control out, and then get it underneath the tank, and it looks as awkward as it sounds. For me to, to describe it. And I think I think probably it's supposed to have a low... I, I mean, I think this is a, you know... It reminded me... Have you ever seen the the, uh, the Japanese... I think it's a Takeshi, Takeshi Miyake movie, Dead or Alive? Oh, I, I don't... I haven't seen it. Well, well the end the end of that movie, basically, it's, it's a... It's a gunfight where the weapons keep getting bigger and bigger until they blow up the world. Oh, okay. And I felt a little bit, and as being yeah, generous, right. that that that's obviously like, and you know, even me telling you that, you you know, that's a great sequence of filmmaking, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like itchy and scratchy, yeah. In live action, you're like that's that sounds fucking good. It is fucking good. This is not good, but the same principle applies. But it's throughout the three movies. It's like right. every time we got to get a little bigger, a little more elaborate. So I think the awkwardness is. is deliberate but but it's it, i don't think it's the kind of awkwardness that i well, think they were going for they like, were going for clunky what they got was bored yeah and we have half like, measures too because there's a flamethrower in desperado from one of the guitar is. cases so one's a repeat and one is this awkward bumbling bomb and what's his thing i'm like talking about you know directorial fetishes mm-hmm. what's his thing with that that three three stage fade that three stage interfade shot that's in all of his movies right. you know what i'm talking about well you like a character is leaving the shot we fade once right. it fade again and we fade a third time before they leave the shot that's the best way i can describe it right and it's in most of rodriguez's movies that i can think of 
It's kind of it's the in whiteout. Desperado and this one. Yeah, right. I think that is something he probably should retire. <laughs> Actually, buy this movie. No, I, I get. You know, it's it's his it's his Hitchcock overhead shot. I get that. That's fine, but it's not. It looks very uncomfortably dated <laughs> as a piece of filmmaking for me. I love that band, uncomfortably great dated. <laughs> best best tribute band on the West Coast, uncomfortably, uncomfortably dated. dated. We do all the songs that you wanted to forget. Let's make that movie. Let's literally make any movie other than the one we're talking about. I'm telling you. I mean, we we've already we already talked about how this is not as good as Spider Man. It's not as good as Once Upon a Time right. in Hollywood. It's not as good as Desperado. It's not as good as El Mariachi. It's not. It's as not good. as good as Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I mean, fucking hell! How far do you have to go you down can, the rabbit if hole? If you cannot raise to the level of Kingdom of the Crystal <laughs> Crystal Skull, you got problems. It's not even Rise of the Machines. I know you like me referencing that movie. <laughs> God, I wish can this I, was Rise can of the I Machines. Can I also just say that I am so relieved. I know it's usually better for the podcast when we fight, but if you came out like glorifying this movie, it would have broken my brain. So thank you. It makes me wonder about... The- yeah, I, I I agree. You know, it's it's nice to it's nice to have a conversation with you know with someone where you feel like you're living in the same world. world. <laughs> right. But it's still you know what it leaves on the table. You're right. Like sometimes when we fight, we're like, well, how would an how would an irrational person defend this movie? <laughs> and I'm often in that camp. But uh, with this one, I I couldn't even do that. But I'd like to know because some you know there, there's 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 online statistics from possibly a film review site or maybe a gardening website <laughs> that show that there are some people there who will stand up big time for this movie i know and i don't i just i don't understand yeah i wonder i wonder if Roger it is Ebert you know like it's this movie the actual Roger Ebert or yeah. his 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 the people who are alive who run his website. No, the the actual Roger Ebert. He liked this movie, but he was one of those reviews of it's this, it's this, and it's that. But I forgave it all. Huh. And that's what most of the reviews were like. I mean, it's, in fact, I as... think he said it's this, it's this, it's that. But that was the point. Right, which which is not which, untrue. Which is not un- Yeah, I, he might be right about that, but it's but still it is also not the work. point. It is not the point that you should enjoy it. When because El Mariachi of that. looks straight at Danny Trejo and says, "Who's armed?" Like he he, I think he punches him. Trejo falls on the ground. He's getting out his gun and he just puts his hand up and says, "No, you're last." Like, hmm. he's going to save him to kill for last, and then doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck, man. This movie can't even can't even deliver on promises that it chose to make right. in the movie. Like, no one's, no one's putting a gun to your head to say that, are they? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> right. 
it's like it's not a genre God thing it's like no we movie. gotta put in the i get shoot you last it's like it's just you don't just cut the scene if you forgot to make the ending all right well, last, wonder, last spoilers wonder... ava mendez is johnny or not johnny depps is uh <laughs> that now that would be a great is willem defoe's she just pulls off daughter. a mask mission impossible style right. and she's johnny depp <laughs> Would make about as much sense as anything in this movie, which also involves people's faces. Involves a face-off at one point. Somehow, this movie makes his killing Johnny Depp's killing her feel like it's the most important thing that's happening in this movie. Yeah, before you realize that actually neither of them have anything to do with the plot as written. Yeah. <laughs> I there was a moment when <laughs> there was a moment when I thought. Uh, a shot in this movie where I thought we don't, <laughs> we really don't know what to do with the material we have. And it was when two of the three mariachis who are not Antonio Banderas are walking down the road, hitchhiking with oh, the yeah. Mexican president. With money. I thought, just... I thought if you have that scene in your movie, something's gone wrong somewhere, <laughs> right? <laughs> If you if you've sat down and written that as a way of showing what's happened in your movie, something's gone wrong. Well, and it's indicative of of everything that's wrong with this movie because Antonio Banderas's character in the previous movies is always I'll get done what I need to get done at any cost and it costs the lives of friends. Mm-hmm. Not in this movie. Everybody lives. Everybody lives. Again, it's an inversion, but why invert it? Right. Because, All right. Well, because at the very least, you want to be. Well, I guess you do get. You know, at the end, he is back on the road. He's wearing the Mexican president's sash for some reason. For some reason. Um. Do you, uh? But, let but me I ask... wouldn't say this movie has the has the sort of uh, satisfying full circle feeling that I get from Desperado. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let me ask you this, since we're at the end here, do you have mm-hmm. a credit check you need to do? Boy, do I. All I probably right. have more notes about the credits than the ma- than the body of the movie. Go ahead, then. Um, all the grips are called Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, I suppose. I, I think say. you're thinking of Jesus. <laughs> I, spent, I, spent, I spent like 10 minutes saying it's blades, not blinds. <laughs> I'm just saying Jesus in a fucking openly racist way. Jackass. Jesus. Two of them are called Jesus Rodriguez. Oh. Uh, just wanted to point that out. Uh, Rodriguez. Not that it really, not that it really helps his case, but he was like he's still involved in all the filmmaking departments, oh, like yeah. beyond shooting, scoring, cutting. He also is sound mixing, uh, responsible for some of the effects as well. Again, probably not not uh, to the film's detriment. I say. Yeah, uh, I noticed they gave Selma Hayek the closing theme, which is. Probably like you know, it's like the Carlos Gallardo golden handshake. It's like <laughs> you're not in you're not in this movie, but you can but sing the song at the end. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, and the the, the <laughs> possibly the strangest post credit scene. It's not a scene; it's a shot. Yeah. I mean, it's Johnny Depp's eyes. I, I don't know why I'm being all coy about it. Right. It's just just Johnny Depp's eyes. 
and I don't understand. I like we're I, coming out of his eyes, right? But is that is again? Is that like a? <laughs> they're probably being too generous here too. Is this a? Is this like a? Post credit scenes are supposed to mean something. This means nothing. It's just what we've seen already. Yeah. Or not seen already. If you're thinking about his <laughs> blindness. I don't know. Like, I... Makes as much sense as anything else in the movie, I suppose. But... I don't know. I feel like you should... If you have a post credit scene, you should be saying or doing something. Right? I mean, it doesn't have I to be the reason Tom. you go to... It doesn't <laughs> have to be the reason that you go see the movie like it is with MCU, which I find annoying. But... It should be more than it should be more than Johnny Depp's ocular cavities. <laughs> like, okay, that's uh, yeah, Johnny Johnny Depp's ocular cavities. <laughs> that's a fucking band name. Hello, we are Johnny Depp's ocular cavities. <laughs> that's great. Hello, hole, we are. Right. That sounds like a. Did you have you ever seen Peep Show? No. Okay. Well, for those of you out there who've seen Peep Show, tell me that there is not a is not a, a band that the character Superhands was in called Johnny Depp's Ocular Cavities. <laughs> there right. was a he was in a band called Danny Dyer's Chocolate Homunculus. <laughs> wow. So. Now that's if you're gonna re- if you're gonna reboot Peep Show, trademark 2021, Tom Stewart, Lonesome Whistle Productions. <laughs> whoa, whoa! I got some credit here. I mean, you didn't you came come up, up with, with it, Johnny but Depp's I identified it as a band name. Just okay. a little something, Tom. A little something to wet my beak. <laughs> Don't you bring the Godfather Part Two into this? <laughs> All right. Anything else? No. Me neither. I'm done. God, no. And I'm glad to be done. I feel I, I, at some point in this episode, I was thinking, I don't think we're being linear enough for people who haven't seen this movie. And <laughs> I look at my notes and I'm like, we've gone in order. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like that's, we have. That's how ridiculous the movie is. That's not our <laughs> fault. That's the movie's <laughs> fault. <laughs> Fucking shit. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you're part of the 66% yeah, that believe this is a let us great know. movie, and you I'm willing, have like, to contact us. You can, you you know, you can hear all my olive branches, right? You can yeah, hear right. the. I want, I want to know, I want to, want to know why. Want, want to know why you don't mind the problems of this movie, but you do mind the problems of Desperado. I think that's the biggest thing. Because we're the both the opposite, right? We yeah. we we see the problems in Desperado, but we go. But Pay no I, mind. But yeah. And I absolved the movie of its sins. Movie. Yeah. Oh, by the way, that is something I did want to mention. They double down on the confession booth scene. Yeah. And what they add... Right. ...is a Marlon Brando impression. <laughs> right. And an actual reference to For Your Eyes Only, where he peels his beard off, as Q does in that scene. Um... So I, you know, Johnny Depp, awful performance, great Marlon Brando impression, very good. I mean, it should be work with him, but you know, <laughs> not everyone, not not everyone can do the the voice. You know, they're gonna take credit where, where you where you give it. Yeah. That's Tom Stewart, ladies and gentlemen, giving you Marlon. <laughs> no, it's Brando. Marlon Brando. He just walked in the room. <laughs> Play Marlon, along. That's Marlon Brando's ghost. 
All right. Once again, ladies and gentlemen. He's a good kid. He's a good kid. If you think this movie is fantastic, then you let us know. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, I am Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Say goodbye, Tom. Are you a Mexican or a Mexicant? I was waiting for that one. Great line. Shame it's coming out of Ed Wood's mouth. I think that line might be like 80% of the reason why people gave, 66% of people gave this movie a positive review. Just that one line. If you follow, if you follow the through line of that line... Mm-hmm. It's a good movie because Danny Tre because <laughs> Danny Trejo says it just before he dies. Uh, so yeah, right. the arc of that line of dialogue is great. Is a success. Yes. There we go. There you go. We That's got a, it. We've said one nice thing about <laughs> right. this movie. Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. Few days from now, you're going to be hearing us pitching sequels somehow to this <laughs> fucking series. Uh, how we do it, who knows? So uh, look forward to that. All we'll right. be desperado to do it. <laughs> that doesn't really work. How dare you? That's terrible. All right, we'll be back. <laughs>